now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. I'm very excited for this podcast for one main reason, Rich, and we're here to, at one point at least, talk about an actual football game because with the exception of that week 11 bye, there's going to be a Pat's game every single week for the rest of the calendar year. I can't wait. Ah, it's great to have the football finally here. We're done with all these off-season ridiculous storylines that have no importance whatsoever to actual football itself. Rob Gronkowski is still with the team. Tom Brady is another year older. Happy belated a little bit to to Mr. Tom Brady over there. But football's here, finally. Alec, 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 as we enter this 2018 season, does this feel any different from other years? Well, uh, it does in some ways. In other ways, it doesn't. You know, we're probably going to be having a conversation in late December, early January, when the Patriots are a 12-4, and four, number one or number two seed with a first-round bye, going to be hosting the eighth championship game against the Steelers. Um, so that's kind of the same. However, I feel like this training camp, to get way ahead of myself, this training camp, I feel like we're usually talking around this time of year, like, you know, who the back of quarterback's going to be and who's the, the, the fifth wide receiver on the roster and who's going to be the special team running back that sneaks on the team. But this year, I feel like, on various levels of the skill positions on the roster, there are guys that are legitimately question marks, and I'm not sure who the Labonafide starter is going to be come September. So it's making this training camp much more fun to watch because the things really matter. Yeah, because we don't know who's going to replace Malcolm Butler as the number two cornerback. We don't know who's going to be kind of leading the rotation on the defensive line. We know that Malcolm Brown is all of a sudden running with the number twos. And we have a little idea that Trent Brown is the the front runner to be the left tackle. But more so than any other year, we have no idea what's going on at wide receiver. And that's always been a, a glamour position when you're breaking down rosters. It's always the most fun to be like, who's the best route runner? Who's going to get the most highlights? And we finally get that <laughs> after after years of having no real competition at that position where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Julian Edelman and Brandon LaFell, and Danny Amendola is going to be the slot guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Julian Edelman and Chris Hogan, and da- Danny Amendola is going to be the slot guy. After years of having just absolute certainty at the role Edelman suspended also coming back from an injury Chris Hogan's gonna be there but what else do we have at the position Alec yeah Malcolm Mitchell is no longer with the team he just could not get himself healthy enough I guess it's really too bad you and I are both very high on him hoping he'd come off the knee injury and duplicate his rookie season didn't happen they brought in Eric Decker who is a interesting fit. Uh, I know he had a 1,000-yard season with the Broncos, which was easy to do with that Peyton Manning offense, but he also had him with the Jets. So he is a productive receiver if if he's given the right opportunities. They have Cordell Patterson. They have Kenny Britt. They have Braxton Berrios, who apparently has been a standout. I, I just don't know. What I'm really having a hard time figuring out right now is which one is the, the number one receiver. Do they have a number one receiver? Is it going to be very package-based, especially with Edelman out the first four weeks? I don't think Hogan's a number one guy. Patterson was drafted by the Vikings to be a number one guy, but that never quite panned out. Apparently, he's having a monster camp. So maybe he's the guy, but I feel like these receivers, they're all kind of just there. And there's not one in particular on the receiver spot, at least, that's really going to shine in Edelman's absence. So it's going to be a lot of maybe 
just just production by by group and by numbers more than anything else. Yeah, it really felt like the Patriots have been addressing the wide receiver position by getting a bunch of players that are very solid number two guys and great number three guys, right? You know, Cordero Patterson, if you look at his numbers, actually, he is just as productive per snap as Danny Amendola has been for the Patriots. So if Patterson finishes the season as a 500-plus yard guy, that's a win in my book. Then you have Hogan, who will be his, you know, number two self, probably behind Rob Gronkowski while Edelman is suspended. Kenny Britt has shown that he can be like a pseudo number one, but he's mostly a number two. And then there's Eric Decker, as, as you mentioned, who has done his best football as the number two next to Demarius Thomas and the number two next to Brandon Marshall. Those have been his best years. And if Rob Gronkowski is healthy, then there's a really beneficial trickle-down effect for all the wide receivers where they get to face much easier coverage. And so they will be number twos or really good number threes in the Patriots' offense. It's just, in my mind, they all are very, very different players, right? There's, like, very little overlap between Cordero Patterson's speed, Eric Decker's size and ability to flex inside and out, and Kenny Britt as that big red zone target. And I have a gut feeling that... All the reports that have been coming out of camp of all of these players standing out, including Philip Dorsett, who's been turning a lot of heads, I'm not going to believe it until I see it actually happening on the football field. I'm with you, man. You know, it's funny. One of my articles I write almost every year is who's going to be the big shocking surprise cut the Patriots drop every year. I don't really see that being a shock no matter who they drop this year. There really isn't that one guy I figured there'd be a, a standout player, especially on the receiver core. Um, you know, it makes me wonder if they're really going to be much more focused on the running back position, given the fact they drafted Sony Michelle high. We should probably talk about his his knee injury. Um, but maybe it's going to be the scenario where tight ends and backs, especially receiving backs, really make up a bulk of this offense. And receivers just aren't asked to do that much, especially without Adelman. And so if they have that kind of mentality where they're relying on Rob Gronkowski, they're relying on their receiving backs on James White, on Rex Burkhead. And then Michelle and and maybe Gillisley, if he makes the team as the kind of between the tackles guys, maybe it's not that big a deal that they don't have a, a solid number one receiver because they're not going to be asked of that. It really depends on how Josh McDaniels sees this offense going forward. Yeah, and I have no idea what they want to do with it. You know, Rex Burkhead has some value because he was in the slot with the Bengals for a little bit uh, just because they were shorthanded at some point in time. So he has the ability to go out be a receiver. I like your idea of doing two running back sets. But, I mean, I, I'm kind of excited with these wide receivers just because this is the most they've really invested in this position in such a long time. Although part of me is just like, just get over with it and just sign Des Bryant. I, I just, just do it. <laughs> I like, I, I don't know what he is at this point in time. I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know if he'll ever be the same player he was before, but at this rate, you, you got your Kenny Britt, Decker, Patterson. Just collect the whole set and get Des Bryant because he's a big guy on the outside. He can help in the red zone. Just It's worth a shot in my mind. It totally is. He mentioned he was flapping about wanting to only go to a contender. He's still a free agent. There was some rumors about him going to Cleveland. I have no substantiation about that. The Patriots are the quintessential place for troubled veterans to go on a low one-year prove-it deal, revive their career, show they can be a team player, not a locker room cancer, and then cash in the following year. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm not a huge fan of Des Bryant as a player. He has a hard time getting separation. His hands aren't great, but he's a physically gifted athlete, and he can make a big difference in this offense. And I feel like Patterson and Bryant on the same field with Decker, Hogan, and Edelman – 
that might be an intimidating receiving core if done right. So I don't know what the the thought process is when from Best Bryant's camp. I'm not sure the Pats are even remotely interested, but I agree with you 100%. Why not bring him in, see what he can do? Yeah, and the way that the Patriots are moving at on offense with all the players that they've collected. They're going really tall with the receivers because Kenny Britt, Eric Decker, Cordero Patterson, they're all 6'2 plus. And I think that there's a strong chance that all of them will make the team. And then you have Dorsett, Edelman, Hogan. I mean, Hogan's also pretty tall too, like 6'1. But all things considered, Des Bryant would fit in pretty well, but it's a crowded room right now. There's only so many snaps to go around. And, uh, I don't know, once they start playing, they're not going to play week one against Washington in the preseason. So starting week two, week three, we'll get to have a real sense of where these players stand out. But there's just a lot of football left to be played here, and I'm just not going to buy any of the reports until it actually happens. I agree. You know, we talk about the preseason every year as if it really is any kind of indicator as to what's going to happen in the regular season and how players are going to play. And the preseason 100% matters for the back half of the roster, guys that are trying to either make the team they're currently on or showcase their skills on game tape for when cut day happens, other rosters looking to fill some spots. Uh, And when the Washington Redskins coming up this Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I believe, the first of four preseason games for the Patriots, I don't think we're really going to see any of the starters and I think that one thing that will be indicative of that rich is which they're gonna have to have some bodies out there at receiver <laughs> and some bodies out there at running back so Brady doesn't even dress if there's no Gronkowski if there's none of the 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 locks to make the roster who marches out there with that first snap with Brian Hoyer that might be telling yeah and I wouldn't expect it to be Kenny Britt because he's returning from his injury I would not be surprised if we watched an entire game of just Braxton Berrios, Philip Dorsett, Paul Turner, just out there getting catches from Danny Etling, you know, getting 200 yards on the entire day with most of the value actually coming from just handing the ball off to Mike Gillisley and Jeremy Hill. That's going to be the entire game. We know it. It's going to, it's just that's what we're prepping for. It's what the first game of the preseason is all about is how can you get your run blocking set? No, it's true. I will say this, though. I've been very high on Braxton Berrios all preseason, all offseason. We've talked about it on the podcast a couple times. Apparently, he's really making a name for himself in the punt return game, for what it's worth. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to be enough to make the 53-man roster, especially with their receiver position so crowded. But uh, maybe he's that that guy with, with the opportunity. Like you mentioned, if he's the, the main receiver, he has the best preseason. There's always one every year that stands out. So maybe this is his chance if they're going to rest there there or, or sit there, projected starters, maybe this is his chance to stand out. It's too bad about Sony Michelle's knee surgery because I feel like he'll be sitting out for the bulk of the preseason, if not all the preseason. I was excited to see what he brought to the table, not just as a runner, but as a pass blocker. Very important part of the Patriots running back system is the blitz pickup, protecting Tom Brady. Looks like he'll be out for the remainder of the preseason. Do you think that bodes well for Mike Gillisley to make the roster, or do you think he's still... Uh, a camp bubble guy at this point. I think he is still a camp bubble guy because the Patriots have no real need to hold on to too many running backs because we know that Burkhead and uh, James White are roster locks. We know that Sony Michelle is also a roster lock. And while we don't know the extent of his knee injury, there is a chance he could return in the first couple weeks of the season. And as a result, that would put Brandon Bolden with his special teams ability as that top backup. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with rolling with Brandon Bolden as that number three running back for at least a couple weeks until Michelle gets back. And so Gillsley and Hill, they still have a really uphill battle to, to really fight through to make this roster 
injury regardless to to Michelle, just because you know Gillsley, they're both very one dimensional players. Those are someone I think that are actually going just to get an opportunity to really shine this preseason because there's no reason for the Patriots not to throw the ball to Mike Gillisley just like they avoided throwing him the ball for all of last season. So, yeah, I, I don't think that Michelle's injury really has too much of a connection to whether or not Gillisley or Hill will make the team. You had to pick one or the other, though. It's got to be Gillisley, right? I can't see them both making it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think that Gillisley makes more sense. She has a year in the system. If you're expecting someone just to ride the pine for an entire year, you might as well roll with someone who's done it before, who's familiar with the system, and proved himself to be a very good team player doing that last year. And that was something all of the coaching staff, all of the players, teammates, all mentioned about Gillisley during the Super Bowl last year was how great it was for him to be a teammate where he had a lot of opportunities early on. And while he lost that role, he never stopped being such a great teammate, never stopped contributing to what he could in the locker room. And so that you, you go with the guy that, you know, and that's Gillisley. And so I, I would give the edge to him. Yeah. So would I, I agree with that hundred percent. It's funny, you know, while the receiver position is in flux and that's kind of a, a new theme here around Patriots nation in the preseason and off season. One thing that we're all very well versed in is who the hell is going to start a cornerback. <laughs> and I think that's actually the case here. And, and ironically, we all thought it was pretty well set for the first time ever with Stefan Gilmore and Jason McCourty, their acquisition from Cleveland coming over. That seemed to be their, their one and two outside corners. And then Devin McCourty and Deron Harmon or Pat Chung in the safety position. And then other guys were battling for that, that slot corner spot. Maybe Cyrus Jones came in. Maybe second round pick Duke Dawson became the guy. Uh, they have a lot of, lot of depth. They have Jonathan Jones. They have a lot of people at that, that, that second cornerback position. But according to all the camp reports, Eric Rowe has been really solidifying himself as a number two and Jason McCourty is playing with a second-team defense. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, me either. I, I was expecting Eric Rowe to really have to compete to be that number three guy on. I expected Jason McCourty to have a little bit of the ability to play inside and outside that would remind people of Logan Ryan. I know that Jason McCourty hasn't really done that too much throughout his career, but in my mind, he provides a little more of that physical flexibility than Rowe does just due to, to Rowe's height. Um but yeah, Rowe has the inside edge, and while you might be excited to watch Braxton Berrios, I'm super excited to watch this cornerback battle, because while Gilmore is solidified as the starter, everything else is really up in the air. I thought Jason McCourty had the edge, but it's really Eric Rowe, so who knows? There's also a lot of really great young players that have been turning heads during camp, starting with, as you mentioned, second-round pick Duke Dawson, who is most likely going to replace that Logan Ryan role probably next year, as he gets a year in the system, but... Undrafted guy J.C. Jackson has been outstanding, as has Ryan Lewis, who spent last season on the practice squad. It's really tough sledding for Jonathan Jones and Cyrus Jones to even make the roster with all of this talent. I wouldn't be surprised they're on the, the pup list. I wouldn't be surprised if they stayed there for the first half of the season and really gives the team an opportunity to keep as many of these young corners as possible. An injury or two might happen along the way, and you get to protect all of the players that you can. I'm just excited because there's so much depth. Remember when it was like two years ago when uh, they had all of these cornerbacks? I, I forget the, all of their names. Like Cravon LeBlanc was one of oh, those yeah, yeah. names. Daryl Roberts. This might only been like last year, actually. Time flies. <laughs> uh, but they had like these three players that the Patriots couldn't keep because they opted to, to roll with a veteran, even though uh, – actually, yeah, it was two years ago. I think it was Cyrus Jones' rookie year because all these players had been outplaying Cyrus Jones – 
And then the Patriots like we're rolling with our second round pick and they let go of these three guys and they all became starters around the league. I think Ravon LeBlanc's like one of the best slot corners in the league right now. Dowell Roberts did a pretty good job starting for the Jets. And I honestly don't remember who that third player was, but I guarantee you they existed. And we're having another one of those situations right now. And I'm curious to see what the team will do with their talent and who will keep on the team. George, if you had to pick one element of Thursday's preseason game against the Washington Redskins you're most excited about, I know we're not going to see much. We're not going to see a lot of starters, very vanilla offense, very vanilla defense, a lot of running, a lot of setups. We've all kind of gone over that. There's not much to glean from this game coming up. But if there's one aspect of this game that you're excited to talk about and see, what is it? Oh, man. Um, I'm actually kind of excited to see how the defensive front seven performs. I know that I just spent a lot of time talking about how great I am about the defensive backs, but the defensive front seven I'm pretty excited about because I would not expect Dante Hightower to really play or Kyle Van Noy. But you had Danny Shelton to the mix, and as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, Malcolm Brown's running with his second teams. I doubt we'll get to see Adrian Claiborne, but maybe we'll get to see Derek Rivers for the first time. Uh, Eric Lee, Trent Harris, those they got a lot of uh, some depth guys on there. Keontae Davis was someone who should have been a day-two pick, but an injury kind of uh, submarined him last year. So there is some talent on the defensive front that I'm excited to see how they produce, just because it seems like the defensive front line is set in stone. But it's always exciting to see if anyone can turn some heads. Yeah, that's a good one. And I, I think defensive line is one of the positions as well where even though you're very vanilla in your secondary, your packages, you you're still have to get the quarterback. You still have to stuff the run. That's a pretty easy transition and translate from the preseason to regular season. So if the defensive line plays well, uh, I think that, that bodes well for their chemistry going forward. Uh, I'm actually in the exact same side of the I'm in the exact same in the trenches with you. I want to see the offensive line, what their combinations are. Trent Brown's been crushing it this preseason, apparently. He's an absolute monster. 6'8", 385, just a, just a big dude, and he moves really well. Wearing Nate Solder's old number, number 77. But after that, you know, obviously, I'm a big Joe Tooney fan. Been singing his praises forever, but they drafted a Isaiah Wynn, who's a who's a guard, and maybe he gets some time. So David Andrews seems pretty set at the center. Your boy Shaq Mason seems pretty set at right guard, and, and Marcus Cannon is pretty set at left guard. So that might be the the locked in, but that 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 left guard position might be something to watch going forward, especially if Sony Michelle does come back at any point, starts running the ball well. That Georgia connection could really shake things up on that that, that that front five. I'm curious to see how it works. That's actually a really interesting point about Isaiah Wynn and what is his role going to be with the team because he's been running as the, the second-team left tackle, but he was playing with the first-team left guards while Tooney was sidelined. And I wouldn't expect too many of the starting line offensive linemen players to be suiting up against Washington. So we'll get a really good opportunity to see where Wynn lines up, how he performs. Can you remember in... I don't even know how far back you'd have to go of a first round pick for the Patriots who is flying so far under the radar than Isaiah Wynn because he was their very first pick. I honestly feel like there's no pressure whatsoever on his shoulders to perform. I'm not expecting him to step in as a starting tackle at any point just because Trent Brown has been doing such a good job. I don't expect him to play guard because Joe Tooney and Shaq Mason are so good. Even Marcus Cannon has been battling something, and Adrian Waddle has stepped in at right tackle. There's just no pressure whatsoever on Wynn, and I can't remember the last time a rookie top pick has just flown so under the radar for the Patriots. No, that's true, especially coming in the wake of a, a Sony Michelle pick, which nobody saw coming. The fact that the Patriots drafted a skill player so early, uh, it's not, it, I'm not the most confident guy in Michelle, just because Belichick historically 
hasn't really hit on his skill positions uh, at any round, let alone the first round. But <laughs> having a having a running back uh, come in and at the end of the second round when no one really saw it coming, people kind of forgot about Isaiah Wynn. And a lineman is never a sexy pick. No one was ever excited about you know picking a, a guard, but that's a very key part of any football team. The offensive line is the lifeblood of a good quarterback, good running back, good receivers. A lot, offensive line is what you need to be successful as an offense. But yeah, he's just going to be kind of hanging out. I think he's good. He's going to be a swing guy. Maybe Tooney steps in and is a starter. I think he had a decent, um, decent year last year. He got railroaded in the Super Bowl, which which I don't want to talk about right now. But Wynn is going to be in there, and he's going to be necessary if he needs to be. And if not, no big deal. He can be a redshirt year or kind of come in as necessary as he as guys get hurt or whatnot. It's nice to have the versatility. Um, but yeah, maybe he's the only guy that I mentioned of the of the five starters that actually plays on Thursday night. Who knows? Yeah, it's so true. And that's what we're we're here to find out is this will be our first glance at who are the players that are healthy enough to practice? Who are the players that are deemed locks as starters because they're not going to be on the field whatsoever? And we'll get a real chance to just see how these rookies perform. So of the rookies that we have, I know that we just mentioned a few of them. Which one are you most excited to watch on Thursday? Well, I already talked about Braxton Berrios, so I will I will leave him off this particular um, uh, talk uh, discussion because I, I am a big Braxton Berrios guy. I'm high on Braxton Berrios, um, but there's one guy I actually kind of like. Uh, he's another Georgia guy. Uh, he's a defensive lineman, as you're talking about. John Atkins. I like it. Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I you know we we the Patriots have had some success in the past with just you know Adam Butlers and the, these guys that kind of come in, they're just rotational back end of the defensive line, and they just do something well. I like his mobility. He's still pretty – I think he's 24, which is pretty old for a rookie, but he's 6'5", 330, big dude, good mobility. Maybe to see him in the late second to early third quarter of this, this preseason game, if things kind of start to go the way I think they're going to go, he might be a good guy to watch. That's interesting. I like that a lot. He has some great size. He really – didn't perform too much at Georgia from a statistical standpoint, but I like the potential that he offers. I'm rolling with the same side of the ball. I'm really excited to see six-round pick Christian Sam. He's a linebacker that a lot of people that I respect on Twitter had pegged as to being like a, a fourth-round pick or so. And so New England got some good value with him. He seems to not be an uber-athlete in like the Jamie Collins sense, but he's very physically capable of defending the run, rushing the quarterback, and dropping into coverage at like probably a slightly better level than uh, Landon Roberts in my mind. He's a very well-rounded guy, maybe more similar to the Kyle Van Noys of the world. So I want to see how Christian Sam performs. I would not be surprised if he got a fair chunk of time at that linebacker spot alongside Roberts and Harvey Lange, who hopefully will be able to, to play some snaps, and then Marquise Flowers. Yeah, it's a good one, especially because we've talked about this as well, Rich. The linebacker position after Hightower and Van Noy, there's a big gap and a lot of question marks. So I think of all the positions out there, linebacker is the one where a guy like Sam could really make an impact. There's not as big of a, a hole to dig himself out of to, to make a, to get noticed by the coaching staff. And I figure he might actually, you never know, he might be one of those guys you see starting right in the first quarter because they're going to just basically Hightower's not going to play. Yeah, no, he's not going to play. The may as well throw him right in there and see what happens. <laughs> That's true. They're super thin at that spot. And uh, one last rookie that we'll probably see a fair amount of is uh, Corey Bohorquez. I just yeah. want to see the announcer say Bohorquez as many times as possible just because that is a fantastic <laughs> name. 
<laughs> it is a good name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think Allen is the pre-camp favorite, um, but uh, I, I've also heard from the reporters who are on the, the, the ground at training camp, uh, Bajorquez has a better and more consistent hang time to his punts, um, but he has not done any game action. And, of course, the big seller for Allen is Allen's the comfortable guy as a holder, which is probably a more important position as an end punter in the Patriots. But, uh, yeah, it's always cool to have a, 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 a rookie kind of punter come in and, and challenge the incumbent Ryan Allen. Because if I remember correctly, there was some scrub named Ryan Allen nobody had heard of vying for Zoltan Mesko's job. Uh, Zoltan, my boy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I always remember Mesco as being like one of the only draft picks I've ever gotten correctly projected in my entire life. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Anything can happen. But Horquist can just go on a tear, and if that's what happens, it happens. Because from a punting standpoint, Ryan Allen's been like pretty solid, but it's really his value, as you said. Belichick's favorite thing to talk about is everything about special teams. So his holding technique, I'm sure, is just impeccable. <laughs> but, nobody, nobody works harder than Corey Bohorquez. <laughs> That's so true. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on this Patriots roster before we head into Thursday's game and see some actual football? No, I guess there's a couple things I'm excited about. One, uh, I wish this was the last Thursday night game we'd be talking about this season. Uh, they're both going to be equally terrible, but at least this one doesn't matter. <laughs> That's one thing I can talk about. Uh, two, what's my cardinal rule for every preseason, Rich, we all keep in mind? Oh, everything matters, and everything is the most important part of football. Is that it? Not at all. That's not it in a little bit. No, my <laughs> rule is this. If your team looks really good in the preseason, it is a surefire bet. It'll translate to the regular season. It's definitely going to work out. If they look like crap in the preseason, nothing to worry about, just the preseason. They're totally going to fix it by the time September rolls around. <laughs> That's absolutely so true. We didn't even talk about the coaching staff. I doubt we'll actually see too much, but we'll get to see Brian no. Flores with the headset for the, the very first time. So we'll see how that yeah. plays out. But we'll break down the game after it happens. I'm sure there will be something interesting that will take place beyond handing the ball off to Mike Gillisley 15 times. So, <laughs> Alec, until next time, you have a good one, and let's hope for a healthy and safe, fun football game this Thursday. Amen to that. All right. You have a good one. See you, buddy. Later. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.